Inspired leadership is when we wake up every day and we feel called to do something in the world that fulfills us and makes a contribution to the planet. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Hey, welcome back to the Inspiring Leaders podcast. I'm your host and executive coach, Terry Lepofsky. And you've joined us for quite the adventure today, because today we're exploring boundless leadership with an amazing keynote speaker, author, mentor, and boundless adventurist all the way from the capital of Australia, Canberra. Before I introduce you to our guest, I just want to set the stage for this show. 25 years ago, I had an amazing adventure planned with some good friends. We were all going to head out to the backcountry for a little bit of backcountry skiing in the Canadian Rockies. Spend a week in the Alpine Club log hut far away from roads and civilization. The idea was to do some telemark skiing and enjoy the New Year's break. Unfortunately, in the days before our trip, a winter storm came in and the temperature plummeted to minus 35. Well, I nearly cancelled that trip. And my friends all said that they were touch and go on the whole thing. Well, fortunately for me, a respected coworker encouraged me to go despite the weather, and I did. So the day after Christmas, I skied three and a half hours into this old log hut, lit the stove up, and kept warm. The next week was amazing. I was there all by myself, skiing all over the place, enjoying it, and my friends ended up showing up five minutes before midnight on New Year's Eve. To this very day, I remember the trip as a huge character-building opportunity where I spent that week by myself in harsh conditions, not only surviving, but actually enjoying the solitude and the adventure of being deep in the Rockies by myself, breaking the ice on the creek every morning to fetch water with a pail, keeping the fire going to stay warm, and avoiding frostbite on my solo expeditions around the area. So 25 years later... I end up meeting our guest for today's podcast, and I find out that this is actually a thing. Our guest today is Zoe Routh, a keynote speaker, an author of three books, a mentor, and an adventurist who takes organizational leaders out into the great outdoors to help them build leadership skills and perspectives. So now, Zoe, I want to extend a hearty welcome to you to this show and for agreeing to join us here today. Thanks, Terry. That sounds like such a hardcore story. I love it. Surviving alone in the woods in minus 35 in a hut. Sounds great. (laughs) Well, maybe I'm making it sound like a little bit more than it was, but to be honest, it really was character building and I really do appreciate that time there. So I'm up here in Ottawa, Canada's national capital, and you're on the other side of the planet in Australia's national capital, Canberra. Is it already morning for you over there? Yep, that's right. So we're about, depending on where you are in Canada, we're about 14 to 16 hours ahead. And I do have to say it's Canberra. I'm a Canadian. I had to learn all these mistakes myself when I arrived over in Australia 22 years ago. They got funny pronunciations for stuff. So it's Canberra. Yep. And it's morning. It's kind of like people in Canada. We don't say Toronto. We say Toronto. I don't know where the T went, but (laughs) My Australian friends think that's hilarious. By the way, if you ever come to Australia and they start to tease you about your accent, it's a good thing. That means that they like you. Well, I was going to say, you don't seem to have that Australian accent. Oh, it might come out in some expressions. My dad, who's British Canadian, says that I sound very Aussie. Oh, is um, that right? (laughs) Yeah. I think it's relative. 
<laughs> well, then I guess it's a big good morning to you then, Zoe. I can't wait to hear more about what you're doing with leadership development down under in Australia. But before we do, I have an opening question for you to help us all learn a little bit more about you. Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. So who or what inspires you and why? I think it's probably the same thing that has inspired me since day dot. That's the thrill of adventure of discovery. I think one of the most pivotal moments in my life was on a three-week canoe trip when I was 15. I remember one evening sitting by the lake and there was the moon shining across the water and it looked like diamonds. It was just spectacular. And I sat there on the edge of the lake with one of my friends on the trip, just full of awe and admiration for the beauty of the wilderness. And those two things, the wilderness and being in friendship with others, have guided every decision I've made in my professional life and personal life. That adventure, that kind of experience continues to inspire me and lead me through my life. Isn't it amazing how we get these connections when we step out of the cities and get away into just a more natural setting? I mentioned that you do a lot of different things, and I really want to know more about your keynote speaking, your three books, which I think are Composure, Moments, and Loyalty, correct? Uh, that's right, yeah. And there's so much more. But I have to say that because getting out into the backcountry has always been near and dear to my heart, I'm really interested in all of the work that you've done. Your background with Outward Bound and this amazing thing that you're doing with Boundless Leadership at your company, Inner Compass, you're helping organizational leaders get out of their offices and into the natural world to help them, as you say, get unstuck, overcome the tyranny of discomfort, and embrace the adventurous spirit to work to avoid disruption. How did you get into this? How does it work? And what results are you finding for your clients? I think it's the tyranny of being comfortable. Because I think being uncomfortable is what we fear the most. Right, you are. In that way, being uncomfortable is a tyranny because we avoid it. And yet it's the breakthrough that gives us opportunities for growth. To your question, how did I get into this? It started as a kid doing canoe trips in Canada with summer camp there. And I did a three-week canoe trip and a six-week canoe trip. And then I started working at the summer camp, leading trips. And I fell in love with that work. It was the thing I looked forward to all year, every year for nine summers. Somewhere along there, I decided that I wanted to make this kind of work my full-time work. And I applied for work down here in Australia at Outward Bound, which is an outdoor experience company that focuses on personal leadership development in the outdoors. I got a visa and down I came to Australia. And I worked there for nine years, nine or 10 years, leading trips, young people, as well as adults in corporates, really focusing on building team relationships, personal focus, and developing personal thresholds. From there, I moved into another organization where it blended both the outdoor learning and corporate boardroom learning. That was the Australian Rural Leadership Foundation. They started all their programs with an outdoor experiential piece, which I thought was fantastic. And it set the scene for the later development that we did in boardroom and classroom settings around leadership theory and strategic thinking, that kind of thing. How I use the outdoors as a platform for leadership growth is threefold. There's three ways that I use different types of programs. The one is more like classic outward bound, where we set people up, we say, this is your expedition or this is your physical challenge, work together as a team. And it's pretty prosaic in terms of they got to problem solve their way through it. They got to work together as a team to climb the mountain, do a multi-pitch descent into a valley and so on. And the key part of that activity is the debriefing, the process, looking at how people engage, 
how they planned, et cetera. So it's kind of like technical, physical challenge abilities. That's one way I use programs. The second way is to use the programs in the outdoors as a pressure cooker. We fill the program full of ambiguity. We make it complex and challenging. They, there's a lot of unknown. So we amp up the stress. So they learn not only about the technical group solving and planning activities, but it's also about who am I under pressure? How does that come across? How do I communicate? What's my leadership presence? That has very specific outcomes and has pretty fast results in terms of fast-tracking group dynamics and then putting the mirror up pretty strongly to people about how they perform under pressure and how they lead groups. The third way that I use programs is something that I've developed over the last year and a half. It's less about putting people under pressure. And it's probably because I work with more senior leaders who are very experienced with pressure. They don't need to be under the pump anymore. And so I've designed a program where we go out for four days out of Alice Springs, which is in the middle of Australia. Wow, yeah. It's the desert. And it's in this national park. The trail is called the Lara Pinta Trail. And it's a really spectacular walk. The whole walk is 232 kilometers. We only do four days of it. What we do out there is we use the landscape to help create a vessel for opening people up. It's such an inspiring place. The vistas are incredible. The timelessness and age of the place is really gobsmacking and fills you with awe. So it's an opportunity for leaders to decompress, relax, and really have the opportunity to connect and reflect. So we combine walking and conversation and activities where they sit and discuss what's happening for them in their leadership journey. The results that my clients get on that particular activity is about using the space to really unplug. There's no mobile service out there, so there's no phones. They get to connect with other leaders in similar circumstances or similar leadership journeys and use their cohort as a way of getting insight into their own leadership style, their own leadership decisions. So they expand their thinking, they confirm where they're going, and they get conviction in their leadership, clarity on their path, and confidence in who they are as leaders. And that's sort of a starting point of a 12-month program where we then go on to work on strategic leadership thinking. So those are the three ways I use the outdoors as part of my work. It's amazing what a new perspective and a little bit of space will do to actually get people out of the position that they were in, away from the problems, away from staring at the brick walls that they've been dealing with, and just let them start using that right side of their brain a little bit and thinking laterally about issues or problems or even opportunities that they've got. Absolutely. There's three components that make up the rationale why this works. I use the outdoors and adventure as a literal thing as well as a metaphoric thing, because we can apply these three principles in any type of the work that we do. And if we're going to get that kind of breakthrough moments, we need to have a sense of novelty. We need to do something new. We need to go somewhere new. That doesn't mean always having to go out in the bush. It could be, let's do a meeting outside, or let's go to the Botanic Gardens and have a discussion there. So change of environment is one of the critical factors. The second one, is a sense of awe. And it's easy in the outdoors. You get that sense of wonder and amazement and magic. But you can do that in the workplace as well. And you can do that by having a huge, massive, inspiring project that build a sense of awe and contribution. And the third factor is that sense of disequilibrium, the discomfort, if you like. And when we disrupt routines and do something that we haven't done before, that gets us on our edge and actually steering the ship in a new direction and trying new things. So you're trying to get them out of their comfort zones then. That's what your goal is. Absolutely. It's a cliche because it works. I think getting out of your comfort zone forces people to discover new capacities, new ways of thinking, 
new powers, if you like. So that state of disequilibrium of being off balance, when we're off balance, we actually have to find new ways of getting back in balance. And that's the stretch piece. That's the growth piece right there. Growth is such an important aspect of all of this. I think uh, there are a lot of people out there who think once I'm in a good leadership position, that's it. I've arrived. I'm at my goal and I'm done. So I'll just stay with this one until my retirement or what have you, and we should be good. And they'll handle the challenges that come at them and the rest of it. But I think that there's a real fundamental need for people to continue growing, to keep looking at new ways to challenge themselves and discover things about themselves that maybe they didn't even know before. I think you're right. There's two things that happen when we get to that level of success in quotation marks. One, they can either move into complacency because success and breed complacency. Complacency kills in so many different ways. It kills courage. It kills creativity, et cetera. And that sort of plateauness can be one of the threats. The other thing that can happen when we get to that sense of accomplishment is that we keep going on that achiever track, even though we've hit that pinnacle of what's next, what next, what's next. And we can get on the burnout track of achievement. We keep pushing and pushing and pushing until we fry ourselves. What needs to happen when we get that plateau is exactly what you say, is that growth. So how do we grow without repeating what we've done or plateau and ride it out? And the way that we do that is by changing our perspective. And one of the easiest ways is to get out, get out into the bush, go somewhere different, et cetera. So it's really a pivotal moment. It's do we just continue riding the same wave and just peter out? Or do we keep driving really hard like we've done before and burn out? Or do we pivot and go to another level? And I think we can go from achiever to amplifier. And that takes a really important point of reflection and a decision to do things differently and to expand your perspective and go in a new, different way. And that's that growth piece that's really important. Otherwise, same old, same hold, or worse, burnout. How many people would normally go on one of these adventures with you? Small groups. So maximum eight. Yeah, the last trip I had five was really intimate group. And do they learn from each other at all? This is one thing that I'm kind of curious about. As part of the program, we had this activity called Hot Seats. We've adopted this process from Harvard. Harvard runs this as a couple of their leadership programs. We'd break up the walks. We'd walk for an hour or two and find a really nice spot. So we put some in the hot seat. They brief the group on what their leadership challenge is. The group then questions them for 10 minutes, get fact-finding, you know, what about this, what about this, you know. And then we turn the person around so they're just listening. And then the rest of the group discusses the leadership challenge and ask, continues to ask questions of each other or, or say, I wonder if they tried this. I wonder if this is what's going on. So the group has a discussion about the other leader's challenge while they're listening in. And then we bring the, the leader back into the, the conversation at the end for a debrief and processing. And so it's a really powerful exercise. And you can imagine we're doing this in the middle of a spectacular 350 million year old gourd stunning red rock, beautiful view out into the distance, or we're doing this with a view over a mountain range that just goes on and on and on endlessly. Like it's the way that you think about things and the way that you focus changes when you're in that environment. I've been part of similar circumstances or processes like this as part of mastermind groups, but I got to say, I'm picturing in my mind what it would be like in the setting that you just described. And I think that that would take it to an entirely different level. So people must get quite a bit out of this. Anything that you've noticed with your clients that you can share with us about profound insights or anything that's sort of changed fairly dramatically for any of your clients? Depends on the client and what they're doing. For Okay, I'm just thinking about one now. 
she did have a profound insight, I guess. So she arrived pretty stressed out of her brain, unhappy, disheartened with work, and just kind of exhausted. And so the program went on, and as she relaxed into it, she started to think differently about things. She had her hot seat. And then at the end of the trip, she kind of realized that she wanted to continue her career at the workplace where she was. And what was holding her back was the fact that she hadn't addressed a number of issues with her boss. It was this unspoken stuff that she needed to get on the table. And this was such a relief to her to know that it wasn't just career malaise. There was a solution and a way forward. So not revolutionary, like she didn't sort of decide to become a chef instead of a caretaker. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't like a massive career change direction. Yeah. It was more like those big moments of insight that brought that sense of relief. I think for many of them, it, relief is probably the biggest emotion that people experience going through, through the program. Relief in that they've discovered that there's something they can do about an intractable problem or relief in that they are not wrong in what they were doing because they they're filled with self-doubt about their decision or their options. A relief because they now had a new choice they didn't know was there. This is absolutely amazing. I'm looking at your website right now, so zoeroth.com. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. The vistas, the imagery that's on there, it's spectacular. Like I said, that'll be in the show notes. This has really been an amazing trip learning about this. I'm so glad that we asked you to join us here on the show. Listen, before we wrap up, we have two customary questions for people. Here's the first one. What are the biggest challenges that you see facing a lot of the leaders out there today? So there's a couple. One is the overwork one. It's like I was describing earlier, when you hit that sort of pinnacle, you become a CEO. And if you keep doing what you've always done, you just fry yourself. And so we've the threshold. That's one of the biggest challenges. So self-care and surviving their responsibilities is one of the challenges. Another one is interesting. It's being disposable. What I mean by that is a lot of CEOs are hired because they're straight talking, action oriented, and they start their job to deliver on that. And the board is surprised when their staff get pushed back and complain about them. And so CEOs, without learning how to manage change effectively, just relying on their energy enthusiasm for change is not enough to guide them. And there is less of an appetite for risk from boards around the country here these days. So if you're going to rock the boat, gently, gently, <laughs> it's just not <Right>. like <laughs> rocket hard. So that's the second challenge. And the third one is dealing with what's on the horizon. The rapid pace of change, all of them are frightened that they don't know enough. They're not doing enough now to contend with what's coming. All the digital disruption, for example, is stuff that they sort of know about, but they can't get to it. So they need to be able to clear the deck to do that kind of deep thinking about what's on the future for their organization. Again, we come back to it, a little bit of space to learn and grow and see what's coming and have that strategic vision into the future. That's right. It's critical. Okay. I got one last question for you, Zoe. Yep. What does inspired leadership mean to you? Inspired leadership is when we wake up every day and we feel called to do something in the world that fulfills us and makes a contribution to the planet. It can be in little moments as well as big moments, big moments when you know you've made a difference in someone else's life and little moments like I had this morning running around the lake and it was just a glorious sunshiny day that filled me full of awe and I felt inspired by that, by the life that we get to lead on this glorious planet. Oh, I love your answer. More valuable insights from another inspiring leader. This time from the other side of the globe, Zoe Routh, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. 
I'm going to link to your contact details on LinkedIn, your website, to your book. People will be able to find you that way very easily. This has really been wonderful. So thank you so much for your time and your perspectives here today. Thanks, Terry. It's been great talking to another Canadian. Great to hear the accent. Yeah. Hey, there you have it, folks. Another episode of Inspiring Leaders is in the can. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope that you enjoyed it, and we hope that you will join us again next week when we welcome another great leader worth listening to. Take care, everybody. Bye for now. Bye for now.